Hello, and welcome to the turbulent world of Middle East soccer, or Mid-East soccer podcast. I'm your host, James Dorsey. Today, I want to focus on Israel's evolving strategy to counter Iran. According to Israeli Prime Minister Naftali Bennett, the expanded strategy will move beyond a potential military strike against the Islamic Republic's nuclear facilities. In adapting Israel's strategy, Mr. Bennett appeared to be guided not only by concern about the fallout of a unilateral Israeli action, but also seemingly mounting fears in Tehran that economic hardship could spark a social explosion. Bennett's new approach is to take action gradually in an attempt to exhaust Iran's power, wear it down, and weaken the violent energy it is sending to its offshoots in the Middle East, said Haaretz journalist Jonathan Liss. The expanded strategy is likely rooted, at least partially, in the notion that harsh US sanctions have deepened Iran's economic woes, but that these are also the result of gross economic mismanagement, rampant corruption, and the cost of supporting Iranian intervention in Syria and militias in Lebanon, Iraq, and Yemen. Iran hopes that lifting US sanctions as part of an agreement in Vienna would alleviate its economic problems. Israel's strategy appeared until now to center on a possible military strike against Iranian nuclear facilities for which Israel's armed forces are preparing. Military analysts have questioned how effective an Israeli strike might be in destroying Iran's nuclear capability. Moreover, Israel could face severe international criticism, including by the United States, if it were to strike unilaterally once the Vienna talks succeed in reviving the nuclear accord. Mr. Bennett last month reiterated that Israel would not be bound by any nuclear deal with Iran and would continue to consider itself free to act with no constraints if necessary. At the same time, the Israeli prime minister warned participants in the 2022 Davos World Economic Forum that investing in Iran is not a sound investment, whether there is a deal or not a deal. Their economy is tanking. The real is depreciating. They are so incompetent that they are not able to get water to faucets in huge swaths of land. For example, in the Isfahan area, Mr. Bennett said. The notion that a war of attrition could wear down Iran may have gained currency with the leaking of a seven page summary of a meeting in November. In that meeting, senior commanders of the Islamic Revolutionary Guard Corps warned that Iranian society was in the words of a Mr. Mohammadi, identified as an official of the Guard's intelligence wing in a state of explosion. The seriousness of the warning was highlighted by the fact that the meeting was reportedly convened by the Guard's working group on the prevention of a livelihood-based security crisis. Mr. Mohammadi argued that soaring inflation, hikes in the price of food, energy, and cars, and declining stock prices 
had shaken public trust in the government of President Ibrahim Raisi only month after it came to office. Shareholders last month staged a protest in front of the Istanbul Stock Exchange, denouncing Mr. Raisi as a liar and chanting death to this deceitful government. An Iranian legal and economic consultant said that millions of small investors had recently sustained substantial losses on the Iranian stock market. They've seen a substantial portion of their savings wiped out. When you get the shopkeeper on the corner talking about the stock market, you know you're in an advanced stage of a bubble. So people are moving assets offshore and buying property abroad, he said. Iranians are among the top buyers of residential real estate in neighboring Turkey. The advisor said the Iranian government's proposed budget for the next year was fueling the unrest. The budget significantly increases expenditure on the guards and the military at the expense of social spending. Moreover, a 10% rise in government salaries would fall far below Iran's rampant inflation, estimated at 40%. According to the leaked document, a Colonel Kaviani told the guards meeting that real inflation ranged from 86 to 268%. Some Iranian officials have suggested that a series of recent cyber attacks targeting airlines, railways, gas stations, universities, and Iran's state broadcaster is part of an Israeli effort to capitalize on and fuel widespread discontent. Others said, the attack on state-run Iranian television and radio might not have been launched by Israel, but be an effort by Iranian hardliners to undermine the position of the broadcaster's director general, Peyman Jabeli, who they accuse of being insufficiently conservative. Either way, the attack and potentially other cyber incidents would serve Israel's purpose even if the Jewish state was not directly responsible. Analysts said the attacks constituted an expansion of Israel's targeting of Iranian military and nuclear sites toward a more full-fledged cyber war on civilian infrastructure, as well as an escalating information war. In a seeming response, a cyber group operated by Hezbollah, the Iranian-backed militia in Lebanon, hacked companies in Israel, Palestine, the United Arab Emirates, Saudi Arabia, Jordan, Egypt, the United States, and Britain, according to ClearSky, a cybersecurity company. Iran is also believed to have targeted Israel's water system, a hospital, and an LGBTQ dating site in Israel. Given that Iran's nuclear facilities have spread all over the country, and attacking the program has become much more complicated, Israel has adopted a new approach, conducting massive cyber attacks to foment nationwide riots with the objective of toppling the regime or keeping the rulers busy with day-to-day -day endless riots, said Maisam Bechravesh, a former foreign policy advisor for Iran's Ministry of Intelligence and Security. Mr. Bechravesh argued that the cyber attacks were not instead of an Israeli attack, but buying time in advance of a strike.
This change of pattern by the Israelis to hit civilian targets is a pre-strike stage, meaning that they've given this one a last chance before resorting to a full-scale military operation against Iranian nuclear facilities, he said. In an apparent escalation of the information war, the BBC last week disclosed a suspected Iranian network on Facebook aimed at nationalist and ultra-religious Jews in an attempt to stoke division and flame tensions with Palestinians. The United States and Saudi Arabia have in the past separately tried without success to provoke widespread unrest in Iran by supporting dissident ethnic groups. The Saudi effort is a reminder that what starts in the Middle East does not always stay in the Middle East. It sparked a tit-for-tat exchange between Saudi and Iranian intelligence assets in the Netherlands, Denmark, and Norway. A Danish district court last week convicted three members of an Iranian Arab opposition group on charges of financing and supporting terrorist activity in Iran in collaboration with Saudi Arabian intelligence services, as well as espionage. Last year, a Danish court upheld a seven-year sentence given to a Norwegian citizen of Iranian origin for spying and collaboration in a failed plot to kill one of the Iranian Arabs sentenced last week. The notion that an escalating cyber war could escalate beyond Israel and Iran, as it apparently did with the Hezbollah attacks on companies across the region and beyond, was but one reason for authorities in numerous countries to step up joint exercises focused on cyber attacks from a wider variety of state-sponsored and criminal entities, of which Iran is only one and not necessarily the most important one. Israel's Joint Cyber Defense Division and the US Cyber Command organized their sixth joint drill in a year in December. Israel led a 10-country simulation of a major cyber attack on the global financial system at about the same time. Participants included treasury officials from Israel, the United States, the UK, the UAE, Austria, Switzerland, Germany, Italy, the Netherlands, and Thailand, as well as representatives from the International Monetary Fund, the World Bank, and the Bank of International Settlements. Yigal Una, head of Israel's National Cyber Directorate said, that in the end, we know everyone who's behind an attack and we remember and we can get even. We don't feel for one second that we don't have the upper hand. Thank you for joining me today. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. A written version of this podcast is on my blog, The Turbulent World of Middle East Soccer at www.jamesmdorsey.net. Please join me for my next podcast in the coming days. All the best and take care.